0: Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Now you know that for a number of weeks we have been uh, in a time of study, walking through the Gospel of Luke, and in a sense today we're still in Luke, volume 2. Okay, (laughs) Because when you come to the book of Acts, you're actually in the second volume of Luke's work as the historian of the New Testament. You know that Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other person. Now, he didn't write as many letters. Paul holds that place. But when it comes to the actual words of the New Testament, Luke wrote more than any other person. As a matter of fact, if you take the Gospel of Luke and Acts put them together, that is 27% of the New Testament just in those two works. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts begins all the way in the history of Luke's writing with the announcement of the birth of the forerunner John the Baptist. He covers a period of nearly 70 years and when he ends the second volume we're told how the Apostle Paul who had been the greatest enemy to the church as Saul of Tarsus is now in the capital of Rome sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite a story, right? And Luke encapsulates all that for us. And so today we're looking at Luke's history of the church. We're looking at a passage where he gives the very first glimpse of the church. And as we look at this history of the church today, I want us as a body here to look at it as a future for our church. And so my theme this morning that I'd like to share with you is on this, our ancient future, our ancient future. You notice that's the... Cover of your bulletin. It goes with this passage, has been read this morning, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It is ancient. It is nearly 2,000 years old, but it is alive and living. It is the future for the church, though it's ancient. This week, as I was thinking about this. Passage, and actually been thinking about this message for a number of weeks. My mind went to the first deacons meeting that I ever held here at this church. And that was 34 and a half years ago. And uh, to say that I was a little nervous would be a great understatement. As just a young man, um, 30 years of age, you do the math, I think that's 48 if you add that up correctly. (laughs) I was completely inexperienced uh, uh, as being a pastor of the entire congregation. I had no experience regarding uh, deacons meetings and so I was more than a little nervous and we were meeting to discuss the future of this church quite frankly, humanly, did not seem to have much of a future. I'm thankful for those wonderful people who were here at that time who believed by God's grace it had a future. And they gave themselves to that. I'm thankful. But to say that the situation was difficult would be, again, an understatement. But we had our first deacons' meeting. I didn't know exactly what to do. so. I decided to have a brief meeting. Here was the first deacon's meeting. I said, men, I'd like to just introduce myself, talk a little bit about that. And we got a little bit better acquainted. Then I said, this will be a brief meeting. I want to give you a homework assignment. And let's meet back in two weeks. I said, here is the assignment. I want you, over the next two weeks, to look up all the verses in the New Testament that say anything... ...or describe anything about the work of deacons. And then I want you to look up all the verses... ...that say anything or describe anything... ...about the role and ministry of pastors and elders. And they said, that's good, we'll do that. We met back in two weeks... ...and there was a whiteboard in that little room where we met. I went up there... Put a line down through the middle with the marker. I put deacons on one side. I put pastor, pastors on the other. I said, okay, what would we find out? Let's talk about deacons. And so they started mentioning all the things that they had found in the Word of God about the ministry of deacons. I wrote those down. I said, okay, how about pastor or pastors, elders? And they started listing all those. And I wrote all those down... And then I stood back from that board and I said, Men, I have an idea. How about we do that? (laughs) And they said, That's a great idea. (laughs) And that's what we did. And that's what we've been doing for 34 and a half years. It's been wonderful. I've heard pastors after pastors have horror stories. A relationship with deacons, I have never known that ever, nor has this staff. We are blessed because the Lord has allowed us to organize those ministries around the Word of God. You see, we started a new beginning back in December of 1986. We started a new day in an ancient way. We went back to the Bible. (laughs) A new day in an ancient way. And my friends, after 15 months of dealing with the coronavirus, and it has been 15 months since we first had to adjust because of the coronavirus, adjust our worship here. I thank God. It's a new day. Now, we have endured much, and there are some here in this room, some who are watching, who've endured heartache and loss only the Lord can understand. And we love them. Our prayers continue for them. We've experienced much. <laughs> there was no roadmap for this. I must have missed that day in seminary when they said pastoring in global pandemic. Didn't didn't get it. But you know what? We've learned much. We've learned much. And I think that the Lord wants us as we quote unquote restart, regather, however you would like to describe that, I think he wants us to begin a new day in an ancient way. Because you cannot be more up to date than the Bible. Let's look at this living passage that Colin read for us. I want you to look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 2. And if you were following along, listening as he read this passage, you could not have helped but note that the key word is fellowship. Verse 42 says they were in fellowship. The same word is used in verse 44 when we're told they had all things common same word in its root. The word is koinonia. Koinonia. Many of you know it. It has the idea, koinonia, that that term has the idea of sharing something. Sharing something. And in the New Testament, koinonia is always talking about the result of shared life together in Christ. That's what fellowship is. Fellowship in the New Testament is not about uh, cookies and coffee, punch, has nothing to do with fried chicken. Not saying you can't have fellowship and fried chicken, I want you to know that. But that's not what it's all about. It's about shared life in Christ. The clearest definition of what Koinonia is is found in the expression of the Apostle John when he is in his late 80s or 90s. This is what John said in 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. Here's what John said. That which we have seen and heard, we pro- proclaim also to you so that you may have koinonia fellowship with us, and indeed our koinonia is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. There is New Testament fellowship. What is it? It is shared life in God by the miracle of the new birth. By the miracle of the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. Bringing you to repentance and faith and trust in Christ. You are born again into a new life shared with God the Father and God the Son. And then you share that with others in God's family. That is New Testament fellowship. It's shared life. It's this new life. And my friends, that's what the church is. The church is not a place. The church is a people. The church is not a label that someone puts over the door or puts on a sign in front of the building. The church is not a label. The church is life together. That's what the church is. The church is a people Devoted to shared life together in God, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the church. Now, I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, this passage that we've read. And I want to give you a definition from this passage, from this DNA passage of the church. A definition of what the church is. And then we're just going to open it up. Here's the definition that we can take from this passage. The church is the community of Christ. Sharing life together in devotion to the word of God. The worship of God the welfare of God's people, and the witness of God's gospel. That, I believe, is lifted right out of this eternal word, this living word for the church for all the age until Jesus returns. This is what the church is. It is the community of Christ. He said, I will build my church, my new community. It can only be in existence because of a shared life in Christ. People who are not born again cannot know this shared life. Though we invite them to come and witness it, (laughs) to hear it and see it. The church is a community of Christ sharing together in devotion. Devotion to what? The word of God, the worship of God, the welfare of God's people, and the witness of God's gospel. Now let's take a few minutes to focus on the qualities of the church, this community of Christ. And I want you to see, if you look back in chapter... One, chapter two, this community is not man-made. It is God-made. God makes this community by the power of his spirit, through faith in Christ, and it is the accomplishment of the plan of God the Father. It is not man-made. It is God-made. But listen, church, the church here is supernaturally normal. These folks are just like us. They were lost sinners. Helpless and hopeless. Full of themselves, full of selfishness, trying to earn their own righteousness or living their own life altogether But by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were born again. (laughs) And now they are saved sinners. (laughs) They are saved sinners living in this community. And it is God made. It's supernatural, but it is normal. It's supernaturally normal. It is reality. And that's what the church is to be. The church is the community of Christ sharing life together. Devoted to what? Let's look at it quickly. The church is a community of Christ sharing life together in devotion to the word of God. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread... And the prayers. Now let's pause. Notice that statement. They devoted themselves. That's an interesting word. Devoted themselves. The Greek word is proskarterountes. Aren't you impressed that I know that word? <laughs> now, I hope no Greek scholars listening. Probably just slaughtered it. It comes from two words though. Pros. Pros means toward. And... Katero, which means to be strong, to be steadfast. And so what's the idea of this word? It means to be totally committed. They were totally committed. They were devoted to what? Look at verse 42. What were they devoted to? The apostles' doctrine. The apostles' teaching. The apostles were the godly men ordained by the Lord himself, appointed to be witnesses of his resurrection and appointed to share the message of what he had taught. Those were the apostles. Now, friends, today, we don't have apostles. We don't have apostles today. We do not have, as some churches say apostolic succession. We don't have those that are over the church that go all the way back to Peter and the apostles. Apostolic succession. We don't have that, but what we do have, listen up, is apostolic possession. We have the teaching of the apostles, we have the message of the apostles. And this Bible that we have, this New Testament, has in it all the authority of the apostles of Christ. It is the message of the apostles. Now notice it says here, one translation says this, that these believers hung on every word of the apostles. Isn't that beautiful? They hung on every word of the apostles. What had happened? The Holy Spirit... That had come upon them on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit that 3,000 people had experienced as they repented and believed. The Holy Spirit had brought within them a hunger for the scripture. My friends, listen. A spirit-filled church is always a Bible-studying church. The idea that there's something different between a spirit-filled church and a Bible-study church, that is a false dichotomy. The Bible tells us that a spirit-filled church like these people were devoted to the Bible. They were devoted to the Word of God. Spirit-filled church is a Bible-studying church. And let me say this, a spirit-filled Christian is a Bible-studying Christian. There's something wrong with someone who says he or she is a Christian and doesn't want to study the Bible. Something wrong. If you have no heart for the Word of God, you have no desire to read the Word of God, as we're about to have communion this morning, my dear friend, you need to examine yourself. Something is wrong. Because the Holy Spirit that is in your heart unless he is terribly grieved and quenched, is going to want you to read what he has written. His spirit will bear witness with what he has written. This morning, how's your appetite? (laughs) How hungry are you for the word of God? The church is the community of Christ. Sharing life together in devotion to the word of God. And secondly, in devotion to the worship of God. In devotion to the worship of God. Look at verse 42 again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. But now notice also. They devoted themselves to... ...the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now notice, there's a definite article here. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to a fellowship... ...and some breaking of bread and some prayers. No, it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, the breaking of bread... And the prayers. Why is it stated that way? Because this is talking about designated worship gatherings. Designated worship gatherings where the believers in Jerusalem would gather for the fellowship of the church. The breaking of bread together. Meaning communion. And the... Prayers. This is definite. Now where did they do this? Where did these gatherings take place? For the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers. Where did this happen? Well, they did this in their house of worship, the temple. Look at verse 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts. Glad and generous hearts. Now notice, I want you to notice something I did not, had never caught my attention until this week. Notice the word in verse 42. If you mark your Bible, notice the word in verse 42. They devoted themselves. You see that word devoted? And then notice the word in verse 46. They were attending. Here's what I want you to know. Same word. Same word. They were devoted, dedicated to the apostles' teaching. And they were dedicated to going to the temple for the fellowship, the teaching, the breaking of bread, the prayers. They were doing this. Now, they had a pretty good sized church building. You know how big the temple complex was? We're told the temple complex about the size of three football fields. It's estimated by ancient historians that easily 200,000 people could gather in the outer court of the temple. 200,000. In the temple every day at 9 a.m. there was a sacrifice. Every day at 3 p.m. there was a sacrifice. There was the blowing of the ram's horn. People would come into the outer court and they would pray. And here's what's happening. These new believers who all happen to be Jewish, led by the apostles, are going to these designated worship times. The apostles are teaching in the court's they're teaching outdoor or under the porticoes. Throngs are hearing the teaching of the apostles. And when there is the moment of the sacrifice, who better than these believers can know the Lamb of God has been slain. The Lamb of God has died for me and He's risen. And they, in remembrance of Him, would break bread. And they would join in prayer of the Lamb who is the lion. They did that. They were dedicated to it, they were devoted to it. They were devoted to the designated worship gatherings. My friends, it's time to regather and worship. I recognize that there are many who cannot. There are many who cannot. There are many who because of their health should not. There are many who are hindered providentially from being able to come as often as they would like. But we see here from this ancient example of the church That they came together, devoted in worship. The church is a worship gathering of believers. My friends, I want you to know, there are some churches that need to close. And I hate to name them, but I'm going to name some this morning. I'm going to name some churches that need to close. First one that needs to close is Bread's. Bedspread Baptist, it needs to close. Bedspread Baptist needs to close. Also, Pillowcase Presbyterian needs to close. Lazy Boy Lutheran, got to go. And Mattress Methodist, it's got to (laughs) go. Now I hope you know my tongue is... Firmly planted in my cheek when I say that. (laughs) But I do mean it. Notice the devotion of these believers to worship. Not only did they worship in designated worship gatherings, but now notice verse 46. They also worshiped in informal worship gatherings. Informal worship gatherings. Verse 46, they are gathering in the temple at the designated times for the teaching, the breaking of bread, the prayers, the fellowship, but also they are gathering together and they are breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. This is talking about informal worship gatherings. They they gathered in homes, in fellowship, shared life together. They are worshiping together, sharing together. The the apostles teaching, they're they're talking about it. They're breaking bread. They're, They're having communion and prayer together. And they're doing this with joyfulness and generosity my friend, that, that doesn't describe an, an academic classroom setting. That, that's not describing, you know, slip into the crowd, uh, take a s- seat, watch, and slip out. That, that's not New Testament shared life. My friends, listen when it comes to gathering around the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, when it comes to the breaking of bread with one another and praying for one another, sharing with one another, sharing the joys and sorrows of each other, listen, we need this. Have we learned anything in these 15 months? We need this. Pastors need this. I hold a pastor's luncheon here once a month. And we gather together and we have fellowship and we talk about the Word of God and we pray together and we're from all various denominations. And over these last 15 months, I have heard and seen the crying of pastors, I've entered in it to myself about the challenges of this season and how important this koinonia was to pastors. Grown men, faithful pastors of churches that you know, needing a place to go where they could talk about how hard it's been. How difficult. But coming together and lifting each other's arms and praying and breaking bread and checking in on each other, it's been wonderful. I've needed it. I've thrived from it. So have other pastors. My friends, listen, good for the shepherds, good for the sheep. We need this. And I know many of you Over 15 months have sought out ways where you could get together for this. Even when you've had to go online, you've sought out ways where you could get together and share like this. And you know how much it's meant to you, right? And some of us, here on this Communion Sunday, have got to come face to face that for 15 months, we've had nothing To do with that. Or even desired it. It's time to check up. Notice. They had generous hearts. Don't you love that? Verse 46. They had generous hearts. The church is a community of Christ sharing life in devotion to the Word of God, in devotion to the worship of God in the designated gatherings of the church, in informal gatherings of the people of the church. And it is the community of Christ in devotion to the welfare of God's people. We take care of each other. Verse 44... And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, gathering and distributing them to the proceeds as, as any had need. Now, let me stop here. This is not communism. Don't believe anybody who ever tells you this is communism. Communism is a totalitarian state where the state owns everything and determines who gets what, how much. This is not socialism. Socialism is a system that taxes people who have more, who have acquired more, who have earned more, and takes the taxes to level the playing field. That's not what this is. What this is, friends, is Christianity. (laughs) This is the spirit of Christ. This is the new community. This is God's folks taking care of each other. That's what this is. This is love at work. This is gladly meeting needs of our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Because the grip of grace on our hearts is stronger than the grip on the money in our pockets. We're gripped by something more than materialism. We're gripped by the master. That's what this is. This is not government-enforced welfare. This is love-inspired well care. (laughs) It's normal Christianity. I'm afraid some of you are reading this and thinking, wow, this is weird. No, that's how bad we've gotten. That we think this is weird. This isn't weird. The weirdness is someplace else. The community of Christ cares for its own. And also, listen now. Listen. Listen. The community of Christ cares for those who are yet outside of Christ. It's not us versus them. It's us praying and desiring above all things that they would come in. And they would know the amazing grace... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the body of Christ is in devotion to the witness of God's gospel. That's the fourth characteristic. Verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Those who were being saved. What a witness. There was such love and there was such praise in these people. There was such joy in these people. Folks were attracted to them. Of course people thought they had lost their minds. And they're living under a totalitarian government. Listen, they are talking about Jesus when Jesus was just crucified a few weeks ago. Talk about being under the thumb of the government and the eye of the government. These people were in grave danger. And they did not mobilize saying this isn't fair. Enough of this. No. They knew the Lord Jesus Christ that died is the Lord Jesus Christ who rose again. He's the Lord Jesus Christ who has ascended to heaven. And He's reigning over this kingdom. And He is all-powerful. And He's coming back. And, when, and until He comes back, we're going to worship Him. And we're going to share how good He's been. And we're going to let people know that Christ is alive and He's alive in me. And I want to tell you, that'll attract some people. The Lord was building His church day by day. God was working through His people. And what was the result? Notice what the result was. More disciples... They were growing in number. And better disciples. They were growing in nature. They were growing in number and growing in nature. More disciples. People who are trusting Jesus. But they are all growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Friends, this is not just a period in the church. This is not just a a moment in the church. Friends, this is the plan. More disciples, better disciples. And we've been called to this plan, Ephesians 4. Here's the plan, verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Make sure you get that. It's not just the apostles and prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers who do all the work. They're to work, but their work is to build up the saints so they are doing the work of the ministry. We're co-laboring with God. We're workers together with God. Can you imagine this? And we're going to do this. Until we all attain the unity of the faith. The knowledge of the Son of God. We're going to keep doing this till we mature in this manhood. In the measure, in the stature, the fullness of Christ. This doesn't end. It goes on and on. Until it's perfected when the perfect comes in Christ. Friends, we're all needed. Now what kind of church is this? It's the kind of church we need and it's the kind of church we ought to want to be a part of by God's grace. And I wrote some qualities down. I I studied this. Here's here's some qualities this church. It's old-fashioned. I'd call 33 AD old-fashioned. How about you? It's old-fashioned, forward-thinking, Spirit-filled, word-focused, evangelistic, close fellowship, praise-lifting, big crowd, small group, attractional, missional, local-focused, global-minded, joy-filled, reverent, generous church. And listen to what I'm about to say. Every one of those modifiers is unnecessary. It's all wrapped up in one word. Church. It's what the church is. It's who we are. It's the qualities of Christ that come out when people are led of His Spirit. The community of Christ... Sharing life together in devotion to the Word of God, the worship of God, the welfare of God's people, the witness of God's gospel. Now, friends, I've got a question for us. It's a question, old question. It's from 34 and a half years ago. Here's the question. How about we do that? How about we do that? We can't in ourselves. But Christ in us can do this because we want to be people devoted to the word, devoted to worship, and devoted to witness and the welfare of God's people.